here's the thing. You're not just pointing people to a person. You're pointing people to a place where they might find other people on their own, which is the definition of the practice that we call tumbling. It's not just connecting person to person, but giving people the opportunity to discover other people on their own. That sense of ownership is actually the point. That discovery is the point. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Alex Hillman, and today we're going to do something we haven't done, I don't think, ever on this show, and this we're going to talk about tools and software. It's true that in the past, I've kind of eschewed topics around what software do you use at Indie Hall, but I get lots and lots of emails about the tools that we use to manage memberships, the tools we use to communicate, to stay organized, and so I said, what the hell? Let's start recording some episodes about how we use the tools that we use to make Indie Hall awesome. And not just a smorgasbord of tools, because honestly, a lot of the time you could swap one in for the other. So even if you're not using the same tools as we are, you can still learn a lot from the way we use tools. Whether you're using a different tool for your online discussions or your member management or really anything else in between. So today's episode, I'm going to be sitting down with Sam Abrams. You've met Sam before and talking about Slack which is a huge part of how we interact with our community and taking you through the steps of how we introduce people who are totally unfamiliar to online chat and helping them see that this isn't just a place for you to sit and kill time, but to actually get a ton of value and connect even more deeply with your community. There's a ton of lessons in here. I'm really excited to be sharing this episode, and I hope that we can do more episodes like it in the future. So if this episode is helpful to you, I'd love to hear from you after you listen to it. You can reach out to me at Alex Hillman on Twitter, shoot me an email, alex at indiehall.org, and let us know what tools you'd like to hear more about. Maybe there's a tool that you see everyone else using, but you just don't understand how it's being used, or a tool that you think is kind of overhyped and want to figure out if it's actually worth it to take the time and see if it makes sense for your community. So today we're going to be talking about Slack, an online chat tool that everybody seems to love, but not everybody understands how to use. So we're going to dive into how we use it, how we help our members use it, and how we treat it as a first-class gathering place for our co-working community, not just a bolt-on to the co-working space. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next week. A lot of people ask if Indie Hall is ever going to open another branch. My dad is just sure that we'd be really great in King of Prussia. Um, <laughs> maybe. And maybe. I mean, we've heard from folks all over the world that have multiple locations and ask why we don't. And at Coworking Europe, you had a very interesting answer to that that I hadn't actually heard before and I've really latched on to. Do you want to share what that was? Yeah. When people ask, you know, is Indie Hall your only location? I'll say, yeah, this is the only co-working space that we, we run, we operate, we occupy. But we actually have sort of three places that people gather. Two of them are just invisible most of the time. Mm -hmm. Ooh, And it's not spooky or, or mysterious and you don't have to like <laughs> learn any sort of weird, weird incantation, but they're online. I think people underestimate how much value can be created in online gathering places. And I'm saying that as someone who's sort of an online native, I grew up in AOL chat rooms. So like that's totally normal to me. And we've had to learn. I know I've seen you come up with your own ways to introduce people who are unfamiliar to chat to the chat tools that we use. But we, in addition to the physical co-working space that we run in Old City, Philadelphia, we have two online gathering places using two different tools. Mm -hmm. One of them is Slack. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Slack is sort of our, it's actually a chat room of chat rooms. 
Yep. It's sort of like an online co-working space, and we'll talk a little bit more about why that is. The other tool we're going to be focusing less on today, but we're going to do a follow-up episode on, is a tool called Group Buzz. That's more like your email discussion list, business people you're familiar with, like LinkedIn groups and things like that. Group Buzz is a little bit more like that, lets you play in your inbox. I like to compare them to sort of high gear and low gear in terms of the amount of attention and energy they take to keep up with. I think they work best in complement. Yes. But today, we're going to be focusing on the collection of chat rooms that Slack, as a piece of software, lets us create, in a way, adjacent to the collection of places to gather within the physical part of Indie Hall, the physical co-working space. And some of the interesting and sometimes surprising ways that people use this online tool to come together and do almost all of the same kinds of things that they do in the physical co-working space, including some of the socialization, but also some of the productive stuff too, which is mm -hmm. which has been a really exciting evolution of the way we use Slack. So Sam, I would love for you to I would love for you to introduce folks who are listening to Slack almost the same way that you introduce Slack to new members coming into Indie Hall, who especially the people who are completely people who know what Slack is like, sweet, I love Slack. But for the people who are like, Slack, what's that? Or online chat, really? Isn't that what teenagers do on AOL? <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how do you? Nobody says that. No, Alex. nobody has ever said that. <laughs> All right. How do you? How do you tour people through Slack mm -hmm. in, in in a corollary to the way you tour people through the co working space? Well, first of all, I I tour people through Slack the same way I the same way regardless of if they're familiar with it or not. If they are familiar with it, I'll of course engage with that and be like, oh, that's awesome. So I will go a little quicker, but they get the same tour. So I'll ask, I, I just, I'm going to open it in front of me because I feel weird taking you through Slack without actually looking at Slack. And I explain it as a bunch of different chat rooms organized into topics. So at this moment of recording, we have 127 channels, which is way too many channels and something I don't expect new members to see at all. But if I've talked to that person and I know that Maybe they're a freelancer. Maybe uh, they mentioned cooking because they saw the kitchen and they loved it. Uh, maybe they have a hobby that they've already mentioned, like, I don't know, listening to podcasts, or I, maybe I know them from my comedy life or something like that. And with that little bit of knowledge I've already gathered on the tour, I'll usually point them towards things they'd be interested in in Slack. But first I show them the stuff that's more productive. So I show general, of course, at first because it's our catch-all channel our Instagram cross posts into here, our group buzz posts into there. So if you're on Slack and something gets posted on group buzz, you see it pop up so you can be really engaged if you like. I show them Indie Hall Ops, which is a good tool for just being in our physical space because if the coffee is overflowing, if something is run out, if you just don't know the answer to a question you should, if the internet's being weird, that's where you generally ask unless you are talking to us in person, which of course works too. I take them through Indie Skills, which is our skill swap. I point out things that are both productive and totally silly, which are usually there already. Um, the beautiful thing about Slack is because it's constantly moving and it's changing and people are using it, I rarely have to search for an example. So if I go in Indie Skills right now, someone was looking for a place that does wrapping of gifts because we're recording near the holidays. Um, that's more of like a recommendation thing. Someone else was saying, does anybody use Squarespace? I have a question and showing like, and this is where you can ask a question and get an answer. Cause sometimes you just have to be like, Squarespace is stupid. And I'm sorry, Squarespace, I use you, I love you, but sometimes you're dumb. 
Um, <laughs> and then another thing that popped up was podcasting, which we ended up having a talk about today, which could be totally frivolous and silly doing a podcast about, you know, movies or whatever, or it can be completely professional. Our daily goals channel, which is if there's any channel I'm in every day other than our staff private channel, it's the daily goals channel. And that's because it is literally just a channel for our members to post originally three. Now it's closer to like seven to 15 sometimes goals that are getting done that day. You use the term crispy, crispy goals. Looking at it now, somebody posted how many cups of coffee they plan on drinking. I've seen people post make it to yoga. I've seen people post somebody has pick up a library book on here today. But there's also stuff like inbox zero, daily meetings, working on particular projects. I put working on a blog post in mine. So then people can ask, oh, what's that blog post about? What are you working on? Or I've been writing too. Do you want to write together and then trade? It's really great because of that interaction. You get people cheering for when you get that inbox zero. You get people that want to do sprints together. And I, I give people that example as well, where sometimes if I'm having trouble focusing, I'll say, does anybody want to sprint with me from, you know, 10 to 11, 15, and then say, okay, I'm going to do this one thing. They say, okay, I'm going to do this one thing. And then we check in at 11, 15. Then having met them, I point them to some of the sillier, more fun conversations that Yes, if you're here just to do work might seem frivolous, but this is going to be an access point that you might not get just talking to people in person. And that's channels like Bookworms, there's a Cocktails channel, there's Cooking, there's even a GIFs channel, which is as silly as it's going to get. But things like podcasts, for example... The podcast channels were being made because everybody was listening to podcasts. A lot of people were listening to Serial. And it was, where are we going to talk about Serial? Th these channels exist because people want a place to talk about a particular thing. And that's what's really great is as someone new coming in, if you're someone that, you know, I'll describe myself. I like comedy. I like books. I like music. And I, I like Bollywood. I made a Bollywood channel and it's Ooh, it's sad. Not a lot of people like Bollywood with me. <laughs> but I can hop into the humor channel and share about shows I have. I can hop into the humor channel and share videos and clips and links and interviews with people that I admire that are maybe my comedy heroes. Uh, I can do that in any channel, really, that I have an interest in. And as I said, there's 127 channels, and members are making new channels all the time. And the beautiful thing is that, uh, so you're automatically added to some pretty basic ones like the Indie Skills, Indie Hall Ops. Um, I think music is one of the base ones. But if you go through, you can be like, hey, I like doing this thing. Ooh, hey, there's a darkroom channel. I didn't know we had a darkroom. And then you find that community that uses that. You can, I don't know. I mean, we have channels for so many different things. It's actually a little overwhelming to talk about. You know, there's a channel for plants. When we moved in here, you like talking about physical space stuff. We moved in here and we were like, this place has a lot of empty white space with our white walls and our white floor. Let's get some plants and put them in there. And that was, do you want to be part of this conversation? Hop in this channel. This is where we're talking about it. So that was a lot of things. That was a lot of things. <laughs> the listeners, what, I, what I'm hoping you picked up, and I hope that you were able to learn not just what rooms we have in Indie Hall's Slack, but there's some really important things to pick up on how Sam describes what it's like 
to be involved in these rooms, what it's like to discover these rooms. And if you put yourself in the shoes of somebody walking into a co-working space for the first time where there is some degree of overwhelm, even if there's not a <laughs> lot of people. Now, that's step one. You can say, like, that sounds like even more overwhelming. Here's the thing. You're not just pointing people to a person. You're pointing people to a place where they might find other people on their own, which is the definition of the practice that we call tumbling. It's not just connecting person to person, but giving people the opportunity to discover other people on their own. That sense of ownership is actually the point. That discovery is the point. And Slack, if you think about it less like a chat room and more like a version of a co-working space where if you wanted a conference room in your co-working space that every time you walked into that room, people were talking about something you were interested in, it would be impossible because it's <laughs> hard and expensive to set up walls. And when there aren't people in it, that space is empty right. and that takes up physical space. But the beauty of the Internet and these online gathering spaces, when you think about a chat room, you think about groupas as a gathering place, having a lot of the same capabilities of a room it just happens to be on the internet which by the way means when you're not physically in the co-working space but you have a smartphone in your pocket or you have your laptop with you while you're on the road the fact that i can have two out of three of the gathering places that indie hall uses to come together in my pocket from anywhere i have an internet connection is like a superpower yeah the ability to even if I'm not physically here, even in Philadelphia, we have a bunch of people who participate in things like daily goals and indie skills exclusively from other cities around the world. We have, we have more members that I have not seen in person in the last year than we do that I have seen. I can make that clearer. We, most of our members I have not seen in person in the last year. And it's not because I'm not paying attention. It's because they don't need a physical place to be part of a community. They need a community to be part of. And it's when you say you haven't seen them, it doesn't mean that we haven't interacted with them. We haven't seen the presence. We haven't seen their work. I think it, when you come into a physical co-working space, one of the things that people talk about is the vibe, right? And the vibe isn't the art or the lighting, although that can be part of it. The vibe is that feeling of people getting work done. The vibe is that being able to see people talking to each other, sharing information, smiling, laughing. That's vibe. That's how I say good vibe anyway. And the tricky part about the real world if we want to compare these two things, is in the real world, you can only see things in the moment that they happened if you happen to be there. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Right? And what's really cool about something like Slack is it creates a short-term record where if I happen to be busy for the better part of my day because I'm a professional and I have work to do. But? But <laughs> I have... You know, I just wrapped up my last meeting out of four. I need to catch a breath. I have the option of opening up Slack and seeing what's happening in one of the channels that I have an interest in. It could be a way to blow off steam. And again, you don't even need to physically be in the room to do it. So we, we get a lot of questions. I get a lot of questions about what tools we use to be successful, what member management tools, what online community tools. and. Honestly, Slack is just one of a bunch of different chat room tools that more or less look like each other. And I don't care which one you use. We're here championing Slack because it's worked really, really well for us. Mm -hmm. However, it's not the first chat room tool that we've used. And there's actually been periods of time where we didn't use any chat room at all. And we have 
plenty of members that don't use Slack at all whatsoever, don't use GroupBuzz. They just come in to be here in person. So it's not a all or nothing solution. It's worked for us. Yeah, I think it's it's best to think about online tools for community building as first class citizen gathering places in and of themselves. I think a lot of people will say, well, we're going to launch an online community for our co-working space. And what they really end up doing is putting a place online where they announce things that are happening offline to people who are also in the same room offline most of the time. And that makes sense, you know. Thinking about a community, you think about something like a sports team, a book club, something that's in person. We even come to that too with Slack. We talk a lot on Slack about things that are happening in the physical space. Today, and I realize the irony of what I'm about to say, but today we had a talk about podcasting, which I'm mentioning on a podcast, I know. And to remind people it was happening, I posted on Slack. Because that might just be where their attention is. They might not be facing the direction where people are physically gathering. I think the default of using online tools is talk about what's happening in physical space. So you still have FOMO if you're not physically there. You, you mentioned that most of our Slack chat rooms were not created by us. They were created by members. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, right, exactly. Yeah, I think there's in the same way that it would be insane to consider creating a new room, a separate room in your co-working space for every little interest everybody had to allow members to build their own rooms would be a disaster. Mm -hmm. But in Slack, it's super easy and it's free. And the worst case scenario is, is it doesn't get used a lot and then you can close it. And that's okay too. Rooms can be temporary. Mm -hmm. And then rooms that you think are going to be temporary can end up being permanent. The point is that there's a place that people can go to find other people that want to talk about the thing, that want to get help with the thing, that want to just have some collective momentum. That knowing that other people are doing the same thing that they are, all of those things are the things that people come to physical co-working spaces for. It's also a really good reason for people to join an online community, even if they never make it to the physical space. Can I bounce back to the tumbling thing you brought up at the beginning of, of talking about Slack? Yeah, please. Something else that's interesting as a member and as somebody who, who tumbles, uh, I find it's really easy when I meet someone to think of that person in terms of the thing I learn about them quickly. So this person has a kid. This is their name. This is how old they are. Cool. Next time I meet them, I'm going to ask them about their kid. But in reality, nobody is just one thing. I am not just a comedian or a comedy lover. I do lots of other things. And so I feel like joining a Slack channel doesn't make you the person who loves comedy. It makes you a member of a group that loves comedy because you're also in a group about cooking. You're also in a group about books. You're also in a group about uh, or a movie group. You know, that way, rather than reducing somebody to, oh, this is the guy that gardens, it's this guy loves to garden. He's also in here. He's also in here. And you don't put yourself in a box. Members don't feel restricted that they have to be in a box. And also, you never have to stay in these channels, just like they can close. You know, if the music channel is consistently about hip hop, which it often is, and I don't really like hip hop, no offense to hip hop fans. But, you know, I don't ha I can mute that channel. I can leave it. I can come back maybe later and see if anybody wants to talk about St. Vincent with me. So there's so much flexibility in how you can use it. And I think this is also what you're getting at is I think it gives a lot of autonomy to our members to discover what there is to, to find. So when I joined, there was something already happening in Slack that I 
loved. <laughs> I was actually pretty hesitant to join because I was like, these are a bunch of people that work on computers all day. I had been working in a coffee shop. Uh, my Photoshop skills, I was not so sure about. But there is a channel called Photoshop Friday, and it is very much what it sounds like. Every Friday, a couple of members pick pictures or they'll pick a couple pictures and everybody votes on which one they want to edit. And you can do whatever you like to it. And by the end of the day, you post it on Slack. Very frequently, our compadre Adam gets added to these pictures. But the point of it is, it's a, um, a small community contest. There isn't really anything for the winner, but you post your picture that you've edited and then everybody votes on which one they like. Now, Slack added reactions to their messages. So if somebody posts a picture and I wanna show that I like it or I wanna vote for it or I just wanna show that it makes me laugh, you can add a reaction so a teeny little emoji appears below it. And then if it makes you laugh, you can add that teeny little emoji too. And we've actually used that for our people at Work Summit to have voting and things like that as well. But the thing that was so cool about Photoshop Friday was I didn't think I could Photoshop because I didn't have a ton of experience with it. I don't do a lot of cutting and pasting and stuff with my photography work. But everyone was doing it it felt like a thing to join into and a low barrier to entry. If you didn't have Photoshop on your computer, all you had to do was say the word and probably three or four people in that group would send you links to the, the programs they use online or that are downloadable and free. It wasn't about showing off your Photoshop skills. It was about doing something silly and creative together. Yeah. The first one I entered, I won because I have a dark sense of humor and I think it appealed to people. I think Photoshop Friday is a little more like Cards Against Humanity where it's less about being good at Photoshop. It's more about knowing people's sense of humor or learning people's sense of humor yeah. or just having your sense of humor line up with the, with the group. Most of the time when I would enter, I was just amusing myself. And it's a way to kind of creatively express myself with other people. Since then, that has died down a little bit because... Some of those members that were championing that aren't around as much or are busier or are away. But the nice thing is, is that channel is there, you know, and we have members that want to do it. So occasionally we'll pop in or a photo. Somebody, uh, one of our members <laughs> got a picture with Bruce Springsteen. He loves Bruce Springsteen. It was a very big deal. He shared it with us on Slack. Instantly, we knew we had to take oh, it into Photoshop Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so it becomes it, it becomes this little uh inside joke creator but yeah. an inside joke is it can be a really powerful tool for bringing people in yeah. as much as an inside joke can keep other people on the outside if you're thoughtful about it it's actually creating an inside joke together helps create an helps create an experience that people were a part of together it's a reminder that yeah we did that thing it was silly on reddit for all of the th i don't know how much folks that are listening know about reddit we should probably talk more about reddit in the future for all the I'm things not that the are person for that for all the crazy <laughs> things that happened on reddit one of the um there's a trope on reddit where someone will reference some cultural happening from another time in another part of reddit and the line is i get that reference and so like when you're and like i get that reference is a subtle way of saying like I'm a part of the community now. Like I was around when that happened. I get it. And it's fun to have these online places where sort of history is being documented as we do it. People can – silly little things can happen. Important things can happen. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that when people see them, they can then reference them later. Mm-hmm and come back to them and say, I hey, remember when that happened? That was, that was something. Another way this happens in a even easier accessible requiring almost zero work way is 
you know, if somebody shares something that's really great with me, a lot of times I'll go slash Jiffy, hooray, and see what pops up. It is always random. It is usually like, oh, no, that is that's not, not what, what I meant. I meant. Uh, and sometimes it is perfect. It is spot on perfect exactly what I'm looking for. Just commenting on how weird that is that that thing happened has brought me closer to some members who then want to play into. They'll try some, they'll jiffy something else. And I will guarantee sometimes it's horrible. <laughs> There's some weird images out there. But for the most part, you're going to get something that, once again, shows your interest, shows what you care about, shows kind of your sense of humor. And by that I mean has cats in it. <laughs> so all, all of this talk about how we use Slack paints a bigger picture of how an online tool can really can be used as that, like I said, the first class gathering place. Like you said, there's people that are not here for an entire year or, or longer and they can come in and they've caught little references. They are whether they're active or even just occasionally popping into Slack, they have a sense of what's going on. And they know you. They know what you care about. They know what you're interested in. They've had conversations with you that are as in-depth and sometimes more in-depth than they would have if they were here in person, too. There's actually also the fact that people who no longer can be physically at Indie Hall because they move away, there's a job change and things like that. Having Slack as a gathering place allows people to stay connected to a community where they built connections and relationships. And now our community is so developed that we can offer that to people that don't need to be here as a jumping point, don't need that physical start to meet people in person. They just want to be part of a community and they live in the suburbs or they want to be part of a community and they live in England. We don't have to have it start with that physical space because there's so much happening already on Slack. The other thing is it gives us the opportunity to do tumbling in areas we might not usually see, which means if, usually if one of us sees something that sounds like it could be a good event, like a lot of people are interested in podcasting, why don't we make that an event, figure out a way to also put it online, and we've been doing that with a tool called Zoom, which has so far been really amazing. Or we can say, hey, you know what? This question might be better suited for group buzz. So it gives us the opportunity to also see where people are interested if there are channels that are especially active, if there are conversations that keep coming up and we keep hearing the same questions. Maybe it gives us a chance to say, you know what? We're probably not explaining something clearly if everyone's having the same questions multiple times. Or to be able to notice patterns and say, okay, it looks like people are, you know, for an ops question, people are talking about something weird with the bathroom around the same time every day. All right, we can actually point to here's where things are happening. So it's a great tool for us to be tuned in, especially at times where we don't really have the luxury to be tuned in all the time right. if we're really busy if we're recording a podcast you know whatever so the it's in a lot of ways the ultimate listening tool yeah especially when members know that it's a place that we go to listen you might be hearing this and be thinking okay i've been in chat rooms before and yeah you say you can come back to it but this seems like a full-time job but the nice thing is slack has a do not disturb that you can set a schedule for, or you can just say, do not disturb me for the next hour, two hours, four hours, eight hours. Yeah. You just get to see what's happening. And I think, I think we probably have members that read a bunch of Slack and almost never, ever engage. 
And that's because they just want to see what the conversation is. They probably click on the links and have a chuckle or whatever, but it gives them another way to tune in without having to be here and feel like a fly on the wall. Yeah, I'm always pleased and surprised when I run into a member who I haven't seen in a while at an event outside of Indie Hall and I start catching up and they'll they'll mention that they they know they have a good idea of what's going on or oh I saw something about that on Slack. And mm-hmm. again, the lurking may not be a twenty four seven practice for them, but it might be an idle hobby, you know, uh, while waiting for the subway or going for a walk or or grabbing a snack or if Netflix is boring or whatever it might be. So think of it as a place where people can see what's going on. Something else I found delightful in the same way is we've had some people come back we haven't seen in a while lately and members will introduce themselves and then realize that they've already been talking on Slack and they might have a username that doesn't match their real name. Oh, that's interesting. And I think it's the coolest thing. I'm trying to think of, um, you know, Matt Calhoun is a good example. His, his thing is Calhoun and some numbers. And it's like, oh, you're Calhoun. Okay. Because like you'd meet him and you'd know his name is Matt. And I just think that's the best because then it's like, insta relationship you already know that person you already know that they always share feminist articles or something it's very cool that is cool i think it would be interesting to hear from folks you know have you tried using things like chat rooms or discussion lists or facebook groups Uh, what's worked really well what hasn't if stuff hasn't worked really well i think we'd love to hear about it so maybe we can share some advice about how to turn things around i think uh, in any of these tactical tool-based conversations it's almost never the tool's fault and the truth (laughs) is is there and that's not to put the blame at anybody in particular Uh, on one hand tools some tools are designed better than others they're more user-friendly than others but when it comes to the kind of things that we're talking about all the things that we described in today's episode are the result of interactions that we designed for, that we created based on observation. They're more the result of tumbling practice that we have. Yeah, people have to find value in using the tool, and you make that value as right. as the tumbler. And, and, and as understanding what is valuable to them. If exactly. The th- if, the th- if you don't know what is valuable to them, it doesn't matter how you describe the tool. It doesn't matter if you tell them about all the cool things that Indie Hall does with the tool. If those things aren't valuable to them, none of these uh, experiences that we just talked about are going to make any sense. But hopefully you can, you can be inspired by them and say, hey, there is this way that we get together in person, but not everyone can make it every time. I wonder what would it be like if we had a chat room to talk about that sometimes. And that doesn't mean you have to get rid of the in-person. You can use the online to get together offline. Mm-hmm. And or in between the offline, uh, you can use the offline conversation to spark new conversations online. I see them as sort of catalysts for yeah. each other more than more than completely separate ecosystems. And I think I want to point again to something you mentioned briefly earlier. We've talked endlessly in my time working here about announcements versus invitations. But the real magic of what we've done on Slack is that none of the stuff we're talking about was started by one of us. Occasionally one of us will go, I want to do daily goals more often. Let's do that as a team so we know what we're working on. But it wasn't started by us. It was because members like that routine of posting in there or members like finding an article about their favorite musician and posting it in there it's not because we're going hey post your favorite article about a musician you like in there it's an ask the members thing it's an ask the members thing just like everything else yep
Hey, this is Sam Abrams. If you like the show, share it with other people. Share it with folks in your life. Share it on social media because that's how folks find Coworking Weekly. And it's how we get to learn more from all of our listeners. So please, please, please give it a share. Uh, Also, if you have time, head over to iTunes, give us a nice rating. And if you have a little more time, leave us a review. And if you do, thank you.